Well, hey, Slate Church, so good to have you here tuning in with us today. My name is Nate, I'm on our lead team here at Slate, and today I'm joined by... Micah, uh, yeah, my wife and I, Becca, we're um, on the City Impact um, team, and yeah, we're leading that effort. Yeah, it's awesome. I love what you guys are doing there, reaching out enough to our community, making an impact in our city with like so many practical ways. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, what do we got going on here today though, Micah? What are we doing here for the pre-roll? Yeah, so today we have some Rubik's Cubes and we're actually gonna be teaching Nate how to solve the Rubik's Cube. I'm so terrified. This is gonna be awful. Uh, okay, but before we get into this, like some of these are so funky. Like what's happening? Like what, what <laughs> even, I don't even know how to turn this one. <laughs> What is, what's even happening here? Yeah, that's actually one of the easier ones. Some people can solve this in less than a second. All right, cool. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay, just what are the basics? How do I solve a Rubik's Cube? Can you walk me through this? Yes. All right. All right, so yeah, the basics, pretty easy. So um, we're just starting, we have to start with a white cross. Everything is based on the cross. Okay, So just, like, just, start with just that. like church. Just like church. It's all based on the cross. All right, so you have your white cross, you got that? Yeah. All right, oh. so now we want to do, we have these like little <laughs> pairs of pieces. So for example, um, these two pieces belong back there, so just put them in. So that's complete. And um, then you say, what okay, two those pieces? two pieces belong back there. Just try to keep up. All right, then we have these two pieces, they go there. And then you just have another pair left, so we'll put that in. Uh, I did mess up one of the pairs, so we'll fix that. Okay. No worries. All right, so now we have the bottom two layers fully done. Um, we're gonna move on to the top layer. So you wanna make this a solid color. So yeah, just make it a solid color. Don't worry about it. All right, and then you just need to switch around some of the remaining pieces, and then you are done. So. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, so. That's that's insane. <laughs> so yeah, now it's gonna be your turn. Um, I am gonna handicap myself so that this is fair. Um, so I'll use one hand, you can use two Wait, hands. Wait, it's a competition? Yeah, it's gonna be a competition. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. All right. Um, all right, but before we get into this, before I get into this, uh, if you're tuning in right now, uh, we wanna give you a chance to invite somebody to church. So there's gonna be an invite link popping up in the chat right now. Uh, so click on that and you can just send the link for the service to church if you're tuning in live. If you're on YouTube tuning in on demand right now, why don't you just like send the link to somebody or maybe there's just somebody that God's putting into your mind. Shoot them a text, connect with them, whatever that looks like for you. Let's use this opportunity right now to invite someone to church. Okay, it's a competition, I guess. <laughs> We're gonna see who can solve the Rubik's Cube the fastest. Fastest, yes. fastest, but you only um, get one hand. I only get one hand. You can have two hands just to make it fair. All right. Um, let me know when you're ready. Okay, so just like church, we yep. start with the white cross. Yep. All right, three, two, one, go. Right. Ah. You done your white cross yet? Uh, we're getting there. Okay. Okay, oh, oh. Uh, how do I get it? They got it, but if I do it, yeah, then it's gonna turn mess this, up my If you turn this side, it'll move the piece. Uh, thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah, right. uh, but uh, if I, how? <laughs> this is terrifying. You almost done? <laughs> that, that is absolutely insane. I didn't even get to the white cross. You have like, three, you have like three quarters of it. I got three quarters, you yeah. know what, hey. Uh, uh, well, we'll try a different handicap next Good time. thing I don't have to solve a Rubik's Cube to have a relationship with Jesus. Um, I don't know, there's something in there. Well, hey, if you're tuning in right now, uh, there's an opportunity for you to connect. 
If you just wanna, uh, there's gonna be like a connect thing popping up. Right now you can fill out a connect card, get connected with us. Uh, it's great to get involved, find community, people you can spend time with. Whether you wanna serve with Micah and Becca on City Impact or jump in with one of our connect groups, find some community there, join one of our teams supporting our watch parties. Uh, we'd love to see you get connected, get involved. Uh, even before we jump into service today, it's a great opportunity. Okay, before we go, I just like, What's like? What's happening here? I want to like understand a couple more of these. What? What is this? Yeah, so that's a Siamese cube. Um, someone actually custom made it. They joined two normal Rubik's cubes together to what make it more the fun. Heck? Yeah. I don't know if fun is the word <laughs> I'd use. I feel like more torturing, maybe. Okay, and then like, wh okay, which one's the hardest one? Which one's the hardest one um, that we have here? I think this one tends to take the longest amount of time. It's just so um, many. So if I started to just like turn. How long Messed do you think it would take up. for a professional speed cuber to solve that puzzle? Let's take a guess. Like 10 minutes? Uh, I think the records are in one minute. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, hey, it is less than one minute to church. Let's jump into it, folks. Monica and we have four boys that keep our life busy and full and we live in Kitchener and have been going to Slate for a couple years now. My faith story um, is that I became a Christian at a very young age. I, I felt like Jesus was calling me to him and I responded in a very pure childlike way and um, I never really doubted my faith as a child, even through my teenage years. I feel like I just had a very um, pure, innocent love for Jesus, and I never doubted that He loved me and that He had the best in mind for me. And then as I grew and, um, yeah, the trials of life came, and I feel like my faith was tested in new ways, and um, I oftentimes had questions and wondered, does God really have the best for me? And does He really love me? Is it worth it to put my faith in Him? Does it, does it even make sense? Um, just specifically, we've had a lot of health challenges. Um, as a family, we've had cancer diagnosis, we've had epilepsy diagnosis, we've had some really dark times with mental health. And I think through some of those times, it was just, it felt like, okay, God, like we are, we're at the end of ourselves. We're at the end of our ropes. Now come through for us, <laughs> where are you? Um, so that's been um, challenging, but so strengthening to my faith. And um, there's no way that I would have such a deep, faith and um, a depth to my understanding of God's love without those trials and those questions that I had to um, face. Yeah, so um, I came to know Jesus at a pretty young age. I was raised in a uh, Christian home. Um, I was raised in a Mennonite church and um, I gave my life to Jesus when I was um, 13 and was baptized about a year, year and a half later and um, I kind of see my, I saw my salvation as like 
Um, I was, it was kind of out of fear of being separated from God, not necessarily drawn to, maybe towards his love. And so like in my faith journey, um, it started out as really much like cause and effect or um, a lot to do with um, my performance-based salvation and over the years has grown deeper and deeper into an understanding of that his love for me was before I ever was born really and um, yeah bit by bit I'm receiving that love that he has for me. So one parenting analogy that comes to mind is um, how my kids can sometimes be hesitant to try something new or just like kind of want to hang back if it's unfamiliar territory and I as their mom am often like pushing them like come on go for it give it a try because I know nine times out of ten they're gonna be so glad that they did and they're gonna be like that was awesome and just thinking of that that same picture as in my relationship with God and how um, how so often like insecurity or pride can hold me back from just going all in and trying something new just like yeah jumping into something I can be held back um, and how God is just like giving me that nudge and and how he knows like he has good plans for me and he knows that whatever he's pushing me towards it's gonna be good for me and um, so when I feel that, that Holy Spirit like prompting, urging me, like I can just, I can jump in and embrace the challenge. I can go um, all in and just go for it because nothing is wasted. Like no season of life, no experience is wasted with God because He will use it. Even if it might look like a failure, like why did I even try that? Like He will use it for good. And, um, and yeah, there's nothing that will make him love me less. He wants the best for me. He wants growth for me. And I can just um, trust in that. Uh, when I think of full send and family life in church, um, I first think about um, just my commitment level and also like God's commitment to me. and. Um, how he's blessed me first of all and like in marriage with Monica and so like everything I do in life um, we face it together um, it's this um, level of commitment we have when I think of my future I'm anticipate it being together and our marriage being strong through it um, and then he's blessed us with four boys and and so the family dynamic of it is kind of the same way where um, he's given me that and so when I think of life whether it's in church um, in the community or whatever like whatever we do whatever we're dreaming about I my mind is first thinking how how do we do this as a family um, just not being in it for myself um, thinking about the future of our kids and um, and then I think just having that mentality is um, healthy just even in, in the church setting and just people can, um, other families that may be new to church can just see um, maybe an example of a, a couple that's
committed to their marriage and, and their kids and to God ultimately. So I think for both of us, something that has impacted us greatly at Slate Church is seeing people that are so committed and so generous and it's challenged me on so many levels to just, um, yeah, and everybody's all in looks different, but I've seen so many people that are just um, living with such generosity and just a heart of gratefulness. They live out of um, gratefulness to God and that joy that comes with um, just serving Him with their whole heart, and that has challenged me so much to just give what I can, do what I can, go for it. Um, nothing is too small of a gift, and, and God will use that. He will honor that. I think if I were to give any advice to someone maybe that has just, um, maybe just come to church for the first time, or maybe just has given their life to Jesus, um, I was very controlled and calculated in my early walk as a Christian. Um, I was so controlling and just wanted to have my grip on life and have it figured out and I had to go through some really deep waters to a place, a really dark place where um, I was at the end of myself and in a really, in not a very healthy space um, physically and emotionally and it was really hard on, on both of us but um, God used that time and he came through and he spoke over my life and he said, Jay, you don't have to do it. I'm going to do it for you. And so that was that was the game changer, really. It was about 11 years ago when um, I decided to kind of take the weight off of one foot of what how I lived life and shift over to the other foot of what God spoke over my life. And from that choice, uh, everything started changing. And... Um, I still battle with going back to this old mentality of trying to control things and as you become more responsible with uh, a marriage and family and a home and all this, you can want to just grab onto things, but grabbing onto things is um, really a soul killer when you can just trust Jesus and He does have the best intention for you. So. He, in a very kind way, he gets you to that place anyway, but if you can just trust him on your own, that's probably the best. Church, how powerful was it to hear the Gingrich's full send story? We have the opportunity now to head into worship, and I would just encourage you, wherever you are, um, why don't we just head into worship full of expectation that God's going to do something? Fragrance of heaven 
chance right now to call alongside thousands of other people, millions of other people over thousands of years, that call that, that God would just pour his spirit out. So church, as we sing, pour your spirit out, recognize that we're singing alongside, again, millions of people, Acts 2.17, where the disciples are calling on the Holy Spirit to pour the spirit out here. So let's continue to sing this full of faith.
into my soul Who can spin the world around Hold me ever close Who can search the depths of me to the core Who controls the world I see Walks me through it all No one but you
know, I love that we get to gather together and worship our Lord, that we get to worship God and we get to continue with that moment of just praising Him, thanking Him, worshiping Him as we talk about the prayer requests and the praise reports that came in over this past week. And hey, listen, if you are struggling with something, if you're going through something or you are thanking God for something, please fill out a praise and prayer card online at slatechurch.com prayer. We want to celebrate with you and we also want to come alongside and pray with you. And we do that every single Thursday morning at 6.30 a.m. on Zoom against slatechurch.com slash prayer. You'll find it there. Join us online as we pray over these prayer requests. But hey, we are thankful today for what God is doing. We had people thanking God for, for graduating, for getting a bachelor's degree. People are thankful that they got a co-op job. Someone is just so thankful in this season for the goodness of God. You know, we have a lot to be thankful for. And I wanna encourage you today to take some time wherever you're at and actually consider, even right now, one or two things that you're actually thanking God for and give that praise back up to Him, even as we go back into worship in just a moment. But hey, we're also praying over some of the needs in our community right now. We have someone that's seeking out a diagnosis. They're waiting for that so they can head forward with treatment. There's someone whose family members right now going through a divorce or the, the talks of a potential divorce. And that, of course, is something that's that's just so sad. And they're, they're looking for reconciliation there. You know, there's a lot of needs. There's a lot of things happening in our community. And we are going to take this moment and we are going to pray over those things. We believe in a God who is not dis or absent or separate from us, but one who is with us, who meets us where we are at, who cares for us in our situations. And I believe he cares for you today too. So why don't we pray together over these needs? God, I thank you right now so much for the many praise reports that have come in, for the many things that, that people are thankful for right now all across this city, across this province, God. We are so thankful that we can look to you and depend on you. For your grace, God, we are so thankful today. And Lord, we are also praying today that you would just move in the lives of people who need you, God, who call on you. We just pray for reconciliation and relationships, Lord. We pray for clarity of doctors giving health diagnoses. We pray for situations that are beyond our understanding, beyond our context, God, but that you can work in, that you can and we trust you with it. We give it to you today. We surrender it to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's worship.
I love that we get to worship together, but I also love that we get to continue in our worship right now surrounding our giving. And you know, giving is a really important piece when it comes to going fully in with Jesus, fully into this church community. Proverbs 16 talks about committing your plans, committing yourselves to God. And you know, in Matthew, Jesus talks about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. It's this all in, full send idea when it comes to how we are in relationship with God. And you know, how many of us know that we can be, we can be all into something. We can kind of be like, yeah, I'm all into that. But until we actually fully commit, including all areas of our lives, we're actually still having one foot maybe out the door or we're leaning back rather than leaning in. And I just want to encourage you today that if you have not yet committed, hey, I'm going to give financially, I'm going to be all in with my finances. This is an important thing, not because God needs your money, not because we desperately need your money. That's not what this is about. This is about obedience. This is about commitment because when we commit, God solidifies our plans. It says that in Proverbs 16, that He is the one who solidifies those plans. He's the one that makes it happen. So I just want to encourage you with that today, that we have an opportunity to give right now and continue in our worship. There's a lot of different ways you can do that. You can go to slatechurch.com give. You'll find out all the information there. And why don't we pray right now for our giving? God, I thank you that we get to give. I thank you that we get to be fully committed to you in all areas of our lives. We don't have to be in control of it. We actually get to release it to you and you take care of the rest. So God, we just release this to you today. In your name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, we are in summertime, Slate Church. I don't know about you, but I love this nice weather and it just makes me want to get out. And hey, if you haven't checked out watch parties yet, you got to get out of your house and get to watch parties. You got to register online. We can't wait to see you there. They're happening every single Sunday. There's there's a watch party just for families at 315. We've got 9 and 1030. Register at slatechurch.com. We would love to see you at our watch parties, joining in the community. And hey, if you're wondering, listen, our plan is not to be in watch parties forever, okay? We are working on reopening as we can. We are looking towards the future and with a lot of strength, a lot of vision, a lot of excitement. But right now, why don't you join us on Sundays in watch parties? And we would love to see you there. You know, we got a lot of cool stuff coming up, but we're going into a new series next week. Next week, it's called Death to Flesh. We're talking all about the seven deadly sins. You're gonna wanna check it out. It's going to be amazing. Make sure you're checking it out. You're inviting somebody, you're sending the link over, you're registering somebody for watch parties. It's gonna be great. Can't wait for it. But hey, right now we are going into our message component today and I'm excited for it. I don't know about you, but this Full Send series has been amazing. Uh, over the past couple of weeks and I can't wait for it again this week. So I'm gonna turn it over to Pastor Brandon. It's gonna be a great service.
Come on. Why don't we give it up for that incredible promo video? So thankful for our comms teams. In fact, I'm thankful for so many teams here at Slate Church. I've been increasingly thankful for the families team here at Slate Church. Having small kids all throughout the season, they've done their, their incredible best. So if you're at a family's watch party right now, can we just give it up to Sarah, Ruth, McCracken, the whole team led by her. And all of the preteens teams, the, the, the youth teams, like we're just so thankful for you. And the best is yet to come. All right, well, we're in a series called Full Send, a series of talks, a, collections of, a collection of talks, all about being all in, in our faith, with God, and the call that he has on our church. And this is the third installment. You don't have to watch the previous two, but I recommend that you do in order to hear what we're talking about today. And today, we're talking through something. The message title is Behind Enemy Lines. Why don't you turn to somebody and say, Behind Enemy Lines. Come on, have you ever felt like you're behind enemy lines? Well, uh, the Israelites and this part of our story have crossed over the Jordan River ready to fight the battles before them before they can actually take over the promised land. So they've just crossed over in dry ground. Uh, a, 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 there's, there's a Jordan River that's behind them. Their escape plan is now gone. And they're about to face their first opponent, the city of Jericho full of the Canaanites. Turn to somebody and say, ugh, Canaanites. I mean, it's okay to say that now. That probably would have been somewhat problematic back then. But um, this, was a, this wasn't just a nation. Uh, this was a group of people that, were, that had their hearts set against God ever since Noah. Does anybody remember Noah? Noah and the ark? Pretty nice uh, story. I tell my, my, my kids this story. I told them this story about two weeks ago. And then we got to the story after Noah and the ark. And that story was about how Noah, faithful man of God, saved by God on the ark to save all of humanity. And his first act after getting out of the boat was to get plastered drunk off of his vineyard, lay naked in his tent for his kids to find him. Like, I mean, this is the kind of guy that, that God chose to save all of humanity at the time. And there he is, and a guy comes in, his son, Ham, and he sees his father naked, and he just points at him, and he starts laughing. And then he goes to run and grab his two brothers, Japheth and Shem, to come see it. And when Noah wakes up, Shem and Japheth had chosen rightly and covered him. But when he finds out that Ham had actually, um, uh, Ham had actually uh, uh, tried to get his brothers to laugh at his, at his, um, at his uh, being exposed, he actually curses Ham. Ham's son is Canaan, and the Canaanites come from this very instance. And so from this instance, the whole of Canaanites are against God. And the first opponent for the Israelites who are for God is against an empire that is against God. And if that's not enough, this empire resides, the, the, the city of this empire, Jericho, is within these tall walls that are fortified and seemingly impenetrable by any oncoming enemies. Now listen, I could start telling this story from the perspective of the Israelites, but I want to tell this story from the perspective of Rahab, the perspective of Rahab. Rahab was a citizen of Jericho. Now, Jericho with these tall walls, you'd think that this was something that could protect the people against any oncoming attack. I still remember being in Pee Wee. Pee Wee, I was, uh, Pee Wee is an age group in hockey. 
And I was there, and I was playing this, this, uh, this team from Prince Edward County. I can't stand Prince Edward County even now because of this. They're the last place that we will plant a slate church. They, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. If you're watching from Prince Edward County, uh, hey, we'll plant one tomorrow. It's fine. But, um, but these guys, they were, like, as close to, like, evil hockey players as hockey players can get. I remember lining up next to this guy. I'm, like, so small at the time, okay? I think this is, like, grade six, seven, eight, somewhere in there. Big span, I know, but I was still a small little dwarf, okay? And I was sitting there, and I'm standing there, and I'm ready to play, and I'm just, this is like my first year of hitting in hockey, okay? And I'm just, I'm like shaking the whole game. I, I, I mean, these guys are like, uh, are, are like Goliath. I am David. I'm sitting there. I'm needing the fear of the Lord to strike them. And this kid, grade seven, leans over to me while I'm lining up, and he leans over, and he says, I'm going to kill you. And, and I, I, and I, I kind of like looked past and I was like, is he talking to somebody else? And he looks at me again. He says, before this game is over, I'm going to kill you. Now, I'm really thankful for what my coach did next because he re realized that a whole bunch of us were really tiny. And because a whole bunch of us were really tiny, he needed to do something. And so what he did is he took our two tallest players, tallest, they were like men. They're like nine feet tall. And he put them on the red line. The red line is the halfway uh, mark of the ice. And during warm-ups, you each warmed up on your half of the ice. And he would set these guys up on the red line. And they would stare at the other team the entire warm-up. So the entire warm-up, while the other team is skating around, our two tallest players would just stare at everybody as they skated around. Well, I will tell you, from that moment forward, nobody told me they were going to kill me. And the thing is, is that our coach called them the walls of Jericho. He said, the wall of Jericho, get out there. And these two guys would, like, skate out. They had no hands. They could not play hockey. I think we found them somewhere else. I don't even know if they were in our grade. I think they were adults. They were on the, but the walls of Jericho, why? Because the walls of Jericho are known to be impenetrable, scary, daunting. It, it, it's too much to come up against. But. If God places somebody behind enemy lines, then the story can take a different turn. You see, Rahab was God's, uh, I was going to say man on the inside, was God's woman on the inside. Now, Rahab is a, a, a particular, uh, a, a, has a particular identity that might make us surprised that God would use them. In chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim where they found themselves. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho fortified, impenetrable, the, uh, a, a place of great stature and military prowess. This was their identity. So they went and entered the house, an inn, a tavern, a way house. This is the, where they would have entered. Of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. So where I want to start this story, because I want to give you the end of the story. Rahab eventually saves the Israelites helps save the, the Israelites, especially the spies that are, have come to visit her. And she's about to allow, she's about to allow um, herself to be used in God's story and allowing the Israelites to take over their first opponent in the promised land. And sometimes when we think about the kind of people that God wants to use to accomplish his purposes, we think of people like Billy Graham. And we think of people like the Christian version of Mahatma, uh, Gandhi. Why can't I think of the first name? Somebody know Gandhi's first name? There we go. 
They all said it. I couldn't even hear them, so you guys, hopefully you heard that. Gandhi, and we think of the Christian version of Gandhi, where they just go around, and, and they just help everybody. We think of Mother Teresa. We think of all these, uh, these characters and these people that seem to have clean and spotless past, and that's the kind of people that God can use. And yet when we look into the story of how Israel began to take over the promised land, we read a story of a woman that had an identity of finding herself in a military prowess land, a place that had great stature, but she herself was a Canaanite, somebody that was cast away by the people of God, somebody that they would have looked down upon, somebody who they would have scowled at, somebody they wanted to destroy, somebody who not only had that identity in her cultural heritage, but somebody that had given her body to many men to the point of having an identity as a prostitute, somebody named Rahab, which meant pride. We do not picture Rahab being used, the Rahabs of the world being used by God. And it's enough for us to say, are you willing to see Rahabs around you to be used by God? But what if I asked you, do you see yourself being used by God? Because for so many of us, we can externalize that and be like, oh yeah, God uses Rahab's. But, 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 but does God use you? Because this story isn't just meant to encourage us that God could use the people around us. It's meant to encourage that God could actually use us. You see, we have prostituted ourselves away from God. We are full of pride in our identity. We have taken on an identity other than Christ at times. And yet it's the moment that we turn back to God that God can actually use us. You see, for some of us, we have such mental health uh, troubles that we go, God can never use me. For some of us, we went through a messy divorce and we go, well, God can never use me. For some of us, we have all these different things in our past that we say, as long as I've got that, God can never use me. I'm here to tell you that if God could use Rahab, he can use you. And we got to get this into our hearts because if we're going to walk into all that God has for us, we actually have to have the faith and belief that even ourselves can be used by God. That God could even use a sinner like me to actually accomplish his will here on earth. One of the things that I love about the Bible is that while we live in a world that loves to cancel people for one missed moment, God will never cancel his creation as long as they turn back to him. You can have full confidence that God will wipe your past clean so that he can use your future for himself. Guys, this story is encouraging to me because if you told my 15-year-old self as I'm sneaking my PSP back, if you remember PSPs, I had that little, sneaking it into my room just to get onto a browser because I, I, I was so addicted to pornography. You, you would have told my 15-year-old self that I'd be here today encouraging other people to walk in the will of God. I wouldn't have believed it, but thank God for stories like Rahab. Thank God for stories like my dad, who when he met him was far off the beaten path. Thank God for stories like people in our church that have told them in our testimony moments in the interview that encourage us to say, well, God, you're using people of all different people. Can you use me? Come on, do you believe that you can be used by God today? Do you believe that you can be used behind enemy lines to accomplish the purposes of God? We've got to surrender our identity no matter how well fortified it is and receive the identity as a child of God. See, Rahab had an opportunity to sell out the spies because the spies actually came into her place of work. They came into her house. They came into her space. 
But instead of trusting Jericho, instead of trusting the military prowess, instead of trusting the things that were in front of her, she trusted God. In Hebrews 11, 31, in Hebrews 11, is this uh, passage within scripture that is actually um, described as the hall of, hall of faith. Instead of the hall of fame, it's the hall of faith. It's where all these, these giants of the faith are described and, and the writer of Hebrews is commending them for their great faith. Well, Rahab is actually mentioned amongst them. And in Hebrews chapter eleven thirty one, it says, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. In James 2.25, it says, Was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? You see, what Rahab dis uh, displayed was trust that God could save her over the, the people that she had surrounded herself with. Jericho had not just made a name for themselves in the eyes of the Israelites. Jericho had made a name for themselves in the world in which they lived. She was choosing two spies and the, the, the belief that Israel was on the way to their city, this, this upstart nation that has been free from captivity for a mere 40 years. She's choosing an upstart nation over a, a military prowess and empire that could destroy anybody on a whim. She is making that decision by saying, listen, I will hide the spies rather than turning them over to the city officials. City officials came to her and she said, yes, the men came to me. She actually begins to tell a bit of a fib, doesn't she? But I did not know where they had come from at dusk when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which they went, what which way they went. Go quickly after them. You may catch up with them. So after she sends off the city, um, the city uh, 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 men that had come to ask, "Are the spies with you?" She goes up to the spies which she had hidden hidden on the roof and said, "I know that the Lord has given you this land, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you." You see, it might be enough to give lip service to God that we're going to put our trust in him. But are you willing to do what it takes in order to move the mission forward in the face of fear, in the face of crippling fear? Are you going to choose fear or are you going to choose trust in God that he can actually use us? Are you going to choose trust that he can use you against all odds? You see, in this moment, she knows the Israelites are on their way, but she's choosing an upstart nation with very little military power, very little military history over her own nation that is known all around this area of the world. She's choosing that because she's putting her trust in God. You see, we can either live in crippling fear as the Canaanites did, or we can choose like Rahab to remove ourselves from melting in fear and put our trust in God, no matter how seemingly small the odds are that God is going to have his way. And we can put our trust in him as he begins to move forward. See, I've been given many reasons to trust myself. I know myself. At least I think I know myself. I know what happens when I do X, I usually get Y. I know if I work hard enough, I can get a job done. I know that I got a good work ethic. I know that I have. But when fear enters my life, my ability to do something is not enough. When, when, when God is on the move and calling me to something that is actually quite 
scary. When, 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 the, when the battle is in front of me and, and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's an impending uh, move of God that is, is, is far greater than the strength that I possess, it, it is not enough to say, well, I'll just work my way out of this. I'll just trust myself out of this. At least I know myself. When I am melting in fear, I have an opportunity to still stick with myself and my identity and the things that I find my, my own uh, value and worth in, or I can throw it all on God and trust him no matter how seemingly small the odds are that God is actually gonna have victory in that area of my life. See, I wonder today if you're willing to put your, your, your heart and your trust where your mouth is. I wonder today, as God is calling you into a future that involves you sharing your faith with neighbors and friends, I, I wonder if you're, uh, when, while you're moving into a, a future that involves you praying for a neighbor that's going through something or, 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 or telling somebody um, that, that, that you're going to be with them and, and you want to pray them or, or inviting somebody to church or, or, or coming alongside a family member with, with, with words of wisdom from Scripture. I wonder if you're willing to put your faith in that seemingly small uh, opportunity that God has to move into an impenetrable wall that is the human soul. I wonder if you're going to put your trust in God in that moment, or if you're going to put yourself in what your trust, trust in, in, in yourself in what you know. So we might be melting in fear even over the past year and a half in the midst of the pandemic, but how many of us have turned back to ourselves and chosen to trust in ourselves rather than trust in God? This woman had no reason to believe except for she not only had trust in God, she had faith in God. Hebrews 11, 1, that same passage of, hall of the hall of faith in Hebrews says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Of course, it commends Rahab a little bit further on. And we learn that faith is this thing that isn't just trusting in a situation, it's trusting in God himself. It's putting our faith in God himself. In fact, a story in Acts where a jailer is scared for his life because two of his captives uh, have been set free and they, they called on the name of Jesus and now he's scared. And, and all of a sudden he's back in the face of these two uh, captives and the jailer called for the lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas, the captives, he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And in verse 31, they, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. You see, trusting God has a lot to do with our situation, but faith in God has a lot to do with our eternity. Faith in God has a lot to do with transcending situations and it actually has to do with transformation of our souls. You see, Rahab isn't saved from the impending doom of Jericho simply because she trusted God in a moment. She is saved because she placed her faith in God. She, she says to the men that she's hiding on her roof, and she says, listen, they're, they're, gonna, they're going to um, uh, leave. I've heard of everything that's going to happen, but, but, but the men that were after you are, are, are about to leave. And I want you to know that I'm, I'm putting my trust in him, and I'm putting my trust in you. And in verse 11, she says, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. 
I mean, I don't have time to get into the, why this is so significant, but it speaks to the fact that she is removing her faith in the gods that they had around her. Baal and the Marduk and all of these gods that were around during this time, she is removing when she says above uh, above in heaven and below on earth, she's saying, hey, listen, I discard the things I've been trusting in and putting my faith in, and I put it in the Lord your God because your God is the God of things above and the God of things below. This isn't just a trust in a moment. This is a decision for a lifetime. I wonder today if you're really willing to put your faith in God. See, a lot of us, we come up against situations and time and time again, we decide to put our trust in God because it's out of necessity. Oh my gosh, I need God. I need God. How many times have I had a situation in my life with uh, even just somebody that uh, works just down uh, the way from us at our office complex and, and he's going through a difficult time and he comes up to me. I know you're a pastor. He says, can you pray for me? How many people, when they're getting in a car accident, scream out for help to God? Oh, God, help me. How many of us are willing to call on the name of God in our time of need? That is trusting in him. But how many of us, when things are seemingly going well, seemingly going well, or seemingly going better than well, are willing to say, in those moments, I will still prioritize God. In those moments, I'll allow faith to transform me, just not for a moment, but for a lifetime. For when I am through this battle and my nation has been taken away from me, Rahab's nation's about to be taken away from her, when all of that is gone and everything is leveled and I'm standing alone and I'm the only one left, am I still going to have faith in God. Guys, I'm telling you right now that this previous season that we've been in through the pandemic has been a pruning season and we've seen it and some people haven't made it and it breaks my heart, but pruning is just a moment where God can actually trim back the beauty of what he's actually creating and say, ha, when all of this is done and this is left standing, I will use this to grow my family because the family of God will continue from this place. Man, I hope the sound guys are dialing in the levels because I've just been yelling this entire time. Seems to be what happens when there's this, this yearning in my spirit to communicate something to us as a church that only God can communicate to us, but, it, but it's burning up inside. And what's burning up inside is that Rahab just doesn't have a moment in Joshua 2 before Israel takes over Jericho, and they do, and, then, and they save her because of it. But her name is written into the history book because it is actually through Rahab's lineage that Jesus comes. Five women are mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Five women. And one of them is a prostitute, a Canaanite, somebody who lived in Jericho and owned a tavern. And she is the one in which Jesus comes through. Come on, we're all about making names for ourselves, but what about making a name for God? Come on, we all want to build bigger businesses and better families and oh, better stuff and bigger stuff. I, I find it amazing. Em and I, we moved into, a, a, over the course of the last five years, we moved from one house to another and now we're in another house. The current house we're in is not, it's not huge. By some people's standards, it's big. But by the standards of our neighborhood, it's small. Like it's, it's, it's this weird thing that we compare and all the rest. So we move into it. And I remember just a, a family 
we're talking to, we're like, yeah, like we just got this place and the, 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 the father's response to me was like, yeah, um, yeah, we're kind of, we're gonna move into a place like this too sometime. And in that moment, I began to realize far be it from me that the things that God has blessed me with start to become a, 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 a wrong focus for others in our lives. Through the pandemic, so many of us have put our faith in so many different things to help us get us through. Maybe it was a therapist. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's an identity. Maybe it's a situation that you were brought into and it's not your problem, it's somebody else's problem. So staying a part of that problem is actually providing something for you. My question today is what if we actually entered into something and started building something bigger than just ourselves? You see, faith, faith allows us to transform this moment in time, this period of history into a legacy that can be used to build the family of God. I've been reflecting more than ever on death. And I know that's kind of morbid. Ever since I was like 10 years old, this is one of the things I like to think about because I always knew that life was short. And here I am, 30 years old, having an opportunity to take five weeks off a month after I turned 30 and reevaluate my life. And I'm telling you, as I look back on all the things that Em and I have accomplished and God's brought into our lives and the faithfulness of, of God in our lives and you just look around, the more I am convinced that nothing on this earth matters except that we would glorify God and bring others into the family of God. See, I wonder if your faith could start a legacy. I wonder if your faith could be like that of Rahab's and go from an identity that nobody thought could have been used to a woman in which came the savior of the world. I'm telling you, you can get that bigger house. You can get that better friend. You can work out and shed those pounds so you look exactly like what you wanna look like. But if we're doing it all for ourselves, it's all for nothing. Only but having faith in God and saying, God, you are God above, uh, of the things above and the things below. The identity that I have and the things that I'm chasing. God, you are God of it all. It's only in that moment that we get to write ourselves in the history book and the family tree in which God is expanding for all of eternity and count ourselves not in a temporal moment, but an everlasting one. So I wanna ask you today, Maybe been living in fear, melting fear is how it describes the Canaanites. You have an opportunity right now to step outside of that and say, hey, if God could, could welcome Rahab into the family of God, and there is so much more behind that, I could, oh my gosh, it's a beautiful thing. But if God could welcome Rahab into the family of God, could he welcome me? And the answer is yes. If you want to make a decision to follow Jesus and come into the family of God, it's more of an identity thing than a reality thing. You're still going to a job and you're still going to work. And maybe you'll come to church and you'll have a community and a family to be around you. But, but this is more of an identity thing where you trade in the things that you think about yourself for the ways that God thinks about you. You trade the way you feel in a situation for his presence inside of you. 
As the jailer asked, what must I do to be saved? Paul and Silas say, believe in the Lord and you shall be saved. If you wanna make that decision right now, I just wanna pray for you. If that's you, just lift up a hand if you're at a watch party or click that raise a hand button. If you're watching online, let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for everybody that's making a decision right now. Lord, we know that you use Rahab's. And God, for anybody that's in your family right now that doesn't actually realize that they are Rahab in the story with that same identity and everything else and jacked up and messed up, but we are saved by your grace and your mercy. May you, re, may, may you allow us to, to, to recommit ourselves in this moment to placing our faith in you and our faith fully in you. God, everybody making a decision right now, I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit in your name. And everybody said, amen, amen. If you just made that decision in a moment, Pastor Emma's gonna give you some more instructions right after we sing. But I wanna ask a question. If anybody who's made that decision maybe already belong to the community of Slate Church, this family we call Slate. I wanna ask you a question. Are you ready to step outside of the things you've been trusting in? Are you ready to step outside of the identity you've been holding so closely? Are you willing to step outside of just trusting God in moments and put your faith into him for eternity? Are you willing to step outside of the things that you have become so comfortable with in order to be a part of something larger? I'm telling you, the places that God is taking us is not something that we can wake ourselves up, slap ourselves in the cheek, throw some water in our face and get to work. This is something that only comes by a deeper conviction. And if that's you today, I'm gonna ask that you stand to your feet. I'm gonna ask that you raise your hands and I'm going to ask that you proclaim in this moment that God I trust in you fully I put my faith in you help me to be a part of the legacy Jesus for everybody that's standing right now whether they're at a watch party or they're watching online and they're in their in their living room or maybe on their deck outside or maybe on a beach at Sobel God bless those people right now God wherever we find ourselves I am praying for you to do something in this moment that I can't by exhausting my breath I am praying praying that your Holy Spirit would sweep over us right now. God, may you convict us. May you consume us. May you light us on fire for what you have for us because God, our strength is not enough. Our trust is not enough. Our ways are not enough. We need you, Jesus. Jesus, we need you to move into the future that you have for us. God, we cannot muster up enough energy to wake up daily to do what we need you to do in our lives. God, we're a part of a province that is so lost, but God, we pray and trust in you who has found us in our most dire need. Jesus, through all this yelling and passion and desire as we close off the Full Send series, we are praying that we would be a church that fully commits and fully sends our lives in all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Church, as we begin to sing, the final thing I wanna say as we close off this series, and we go into a series next week called Death to the Flesh, right? Death to the Flesh, Death to Flesh. It's all about the, all about the seven deadly sins. I will make it very clear. 
We do not realize that if we just barricade ourselves within Christian communities, we will not be effective for God. We need to understand that there is a family member that needs to hear about your faith. There is a coworker that needs to hear about your faith. There is somebody that you used to go to the gym with, used to play hockey with, used to knit scarves with, used to serve at a homeless shelter with, and the pandemic took away a lot of your relationships. I am saying in this moment that it is time for us as a church to call to mind some of those people that God has been bringing to our mind and commit right now to fully send our lives into a mission that is far greater than ourselves and to begin to reach out in faith that God is gonna reach them. Expect God to show up when you start trusting him in your situations. Guys, I cannot stress this enough. We live in a world that desperately needs Jesus and doesn't need Jesus when you feel like sharing him. Needs Jesus right now in this moment. The time is short. Come on, let's begin to praise him and ask God to call upon names, recall names into our heart, faces that we might reach out to this week and introduce to a loving God. Come on, church, can we begin to raise our hands and worship? why don't we just sing out in our own words that we want more of the presence of God as we as we go out just as Pastor Brandon said we need to recognize that if we're not going out with the spirit of God then we're not going to be effective in all that God has for us so let's just cry out for the presence of God right now oh it's just want you
You know, it seems like coming out of here today, we actually have a decision to make, you know, and, and just because maybe our time together is over, it doesn't mean that you have to leave this space or leave this opportunity to meet with God or to worship God or to really make a decision surrounding who you're going to trust and what your faith is in and who your faith is in. So I just want to encourage you that sometime today, just take a moment just recommit this. If you jump to your feet, if you raise your hands in the air as, as Brandon was finishing up there, I just want to encourage you just to recommit to that again later today and again tomorrow morning and set an alarm for it later this week and just remind yourself that we actually get to move forward in this, but it doesn't end here. It doesn't stop right here. Hey, wherever you are, can you just maybe put your hands together and throw it in the chat? Thank you, Pastor Brandon, our worship team, ma'am. What a great service this has been. What a great uh, Sunday this has been or whenever you are watching this. You know, right after we have our socials, okay? So socials is taking place. If you want to know more about Slate Church, if you want to get involved here, if you want to hear a little bit more of the vision from Brandon and myself, if you want to meet some more people around here, we would love to get you 
involved in that. So you can check out socials. Go to slatechurch.com slash next step. You'll get the Zoom link. You can register there. And we would love to chat with you today at noon. It's going to be a Zoom link. Uh, so we would love to see you there. Also, if you just made a decision to follow Jesus right now, head over to slatechurch.com. Fill in a connect card. It's popping up in the chat as well. We just want to get connected with you. We just want to know who you are. We just want to uh, meet you, at, answer any questions that you might have. We would love to do that as well. Well, hey, why don't you go out of here and just have a fantastic week ahead, a great Sunday, and we will see you again next week.